turn to Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21 this morning. I want to ask you, have you ever just given up? Have you ever just given up in your life? Well, when I was in college, I decided that if I was going to be required to take PE courses, I was going to be creative in the courses that I took. I ended up taking golf, badminton, and rock climbing. Now, we're not going to talk about badminton this morning, although don't think I'm wimpy because I took badminton because, I mean, we had some pretty mean uh, guy-on-guy matches with badminton. You wouldn't believe how bad badminton can get in the backyard. But uh, my favorite of all those sports, though, was rock climbing. We would go over to northeastern Alabama. I lived in northwest Georgia, and we'd drive over on crisp fall afternoons and and go climb 80 to 100 foot high rock faces that would overlook these beautiful mountainous or these beautiful forested valleys down below just a beautiful beautiful thing great sport to be a part of and one of the things that i remember about rock climbing that was was that you could climb incredible heights over a long period of time if you use the right technique but if you didn't use the right technique you'd burn out and your climb would be over pretty quickly. You see, from what my teacher taught us, from what I understand, it's in the legs. But so many of us would depend on our arms. And before long, our arms would burn out, and your climb would be over pretty quick, way too soon, much sooner than you had hoped. You know, today I truly believe, I really believe with all my heart, that God has created us for great things that God wants our lives to experience extraordinary things, that He wants us to scale great heights. And we talked about that a little bit last time we were together. But unfortunately, many times we have the wrong technique. And many times, much too soon, we're trying to live our life climbing those heights in our own strength, but unfortunately, the climb is over way before it should have been. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about What happens when we control our own lives? And what a difference it can make when God is allowed to control it. Well, today we're going to look at Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. And we first have to back up to verses 16 through 18. Because in verses 16 through 18, Paul begins to to discuss with the Galatians the two choices that you and I have for living our lives. We can live our lives, first of all, by the Spirit of God. In other words, by having Christ in our hearts, by being saved, you maybe have heard that term before, by receiving Jesus as our personal Savior and having the promise and the assurance of knowing that Christ Himself, by the power of His Spirit, lives in my life, lives in my heart. And not only that, not only that I receive Christ, but now that I begin a relationship with Him, now I have the opportunity on a daily basis for my life to be controlled and led by Christ. You see, there's a misconception among Christians many times. The misconception is, well, you accept Christ as your Savior, then you move on with life. And Paul tells them in Galatians 3.3, no, no, that's not the case. Having begun by the Spirit of God, are you going to be perfected? Is your life going to be completed? Is Is your climb going to be finished by your own strength? The Apostle Paul says, absolutely not. We need Christ every single day of our lives. So the one option is we can live our lives by the power of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ living in us. Or number two, he tells us in those verses, we can live it by the flesh. Now in the New Testament, that term most of the time refers to our propensity 
uh, our, our, our nature of going our own way instead of God's way. You could call it human nature. You could actually, because of the nature of our human nature, you could call it our sinful nature. Sin is really, if you think about it, doing what I want to do instead of what God wants to do, right? I mean, it can be very bad, awful things that we think of, like murder or whatever you want to think of, or it can be just tiny, seemingly small things, but sin is doing, making a choice to do what I think is best instead of doing what God wants. And that is an option for my life. I can live by the flesh. I can live by human nature. But Paul makes it very clear in these verses, you and I cannot do both. It is impossible It is impossible. They are in opposition to one another, and so it's impossible for me to live life by the power of God's Spirit and in my own human efforts. We're going to make a decision. Who am I going to obey? Am I going to obey God and His direction, or am I going to go my own way? Well, before you make that decision this morning, I want to tell you, I want to show you what God's Word says. What happens when we decide to go our own way? What I can do in my own strength. First of all, let's look at the, these verses. Let's read them together. Galatians 5:19 says, "Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, <clears throat> disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you." that those who practice such things, Paul says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. These verses tell us some categories of things that can happen in our life if we decide to live it in our own strength, if we decide to go our own way. And first of all, I believe these verses tell us that my way brings excessive behaviors. My way brings excessive behaviors. Now, what do I mean by excessive behaviors? Well, we could call this loose living. Or we could call it a life with little or with no boundaries. That's one of the things our human nature will take us towards. It leads us towards excessive behaviors. Now, let's look at some of the words. Now, this is obviously a list of some of the kind of things that, that can happen in our life because he says later at the, in verse 21, he's going to say what? Things like these. So he's just saying this is not the only thing that can happen, but these are the sorts of things that can happen when you and I make a decision to do our own thing with our lives. The first one, he says in verse 19, is immorality. Now this word immorality is the Greek word porneia, from which you can probably recognize we get our English word what? Pornography. That's where we get our word from. It includes premarital sexual relations. It includes unfaithfulness in marriage, which some of you, if you have the King James or the New King James, it actually lists out there adultery. It it includes that, and it includes homosexuality. It would also include lust, which is basically a desire to be with another person inside of ourselves, in our heart. It's basically describing any type of sexual sin, anything outside of one man and one woman in marriage. The Bible tells us that God created sexuality. He created it to be a great blessing, but the Bible also tells us that it has some very specific boundaries to be enjoyed within, and on our own, we will, we will, we will go over the boundaries. And apparently, 
Maybe this is encouraging to us today. Apparently, immorality, sexual sin, was something that early believers struggled with, just like many of us do today. One commentator says that it was so common. Now, listen to this. It helps put it, put it in the context of who, who he was talking to. It also helps put it in the context of God understands what I struggle with. It was so common in Greco-Roman antiquity, which was the society they lived in, that it was not regarded as especially reprehensible. Did you hear that? Basically, people thought, what's the big deal? Everybody's doing this, right? That's the words we hear today. And some of the people in the early churches had difficulty abandoning their former tolerance of it. They struggled with thinking this was such a bad thing after they came to Christ because it was so prevalent in their society that it just seemed like the, what? Natural, normal thing to do. Does that not sound like our world today? How many of us, honestly, if you were to raise your hand, I were to ask you, how many of us, don't raise your hand, (laughs) here today even sometimes think This is not really that big of a deal. You know, it's just something that my church harps on a lot. But but it's just not something that seems that very important to God. Or it doesn't seem like something that, that that dramatically affects our lives. Immorality is what I will do in my own strength, but it's not what God wants. It's excessive behavior that goes over boundaries that God says He has established for our lives. Then He says in verse 19, Impurity. Now, that word impurity sometimes relates to sexual sin, but it's a more general term that refers to uncleanness or dirtiness. We might better think of it in terms of being tainted. In our own strength, when we do things our own way, is it not true that in some way everything that we do is tainted? I mean, is it very easy to find people who are pure in their motives? Is it very easy to find people? Now, I'm talking not just about you people, but my own person. Is it very easy, easy to find in ourselves pure thoughts, pure motives, pure intentions? Everything that we do seems to be in some way tainted. There's something excessive. There's something extra that's there that shouldn't be there if it was really pure. And so the Bible says on our own, We're going to be impure. We're going to be tainted. We're not going to be quite what God created for us to be. I think about several examples. Telling lewd or disrespectful jokes about members of the opposite sex. What about building relationships or friendships with someone because you have ulterior motives? Those are the kind of things you give the impression that you like this person, that you want to be their friend, but you're really thinking, man, I really like their boat, right? Or, or man, they can really help me get in good at the office. Or, or, man, this could happen or that could happen. That's not pure, is it? That's not a real relationship. That's me using someone else. But if we're really honest, that's what I do on my own. If God didn't speak to me about how that's not right, that would seem very, again, what? Natural for us to do who wouldn't do that if you could get an advantage right then he mentions sensuality in verse 19 and then at the end of these verses carousing which i believe goes along with this sensuality listen to this sensuality describes undisciplined violent out of control behavior that is indifferent to public opinion or a sense of decency It's a loss of a sense of shame. It means to throw off all restraint and to flaunt oneself. 
It's when wrongdoing, when we know something is not right, but we parade it before others without regard for self-respect, without regard for the rights or feelings of others or for public decency. Jeremiah 6.15 talked about God's people that way. He said they didn't even know how to blush anymore. Does that help put it in perspective for you? When nothing bothers us anymore, when nothing seems striking anymore, when we wouldn't be embarrassed anymore by things, but we can just be publicly indecent. Carousing is a very similar word that kind of is related to that, although it usually involves being drunk in some way. Does that not sound like yesterday's newspaper? (laughs) Is this the Bible or is this today? Is this the news that we're watching today? You know, it seems to be more and more in vogue today to come out of the closet and to flaunt the things that the Bible and that God says are wrong. When I thought about this, I thought about an episode that was pretty hurtful in my life. A friend of mine, years ago, I still have this image of him standing on the beach and yelling uh, expletives at me and saying, I don't care if you're some blankety-blank preacher, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. He was drunk as a skunk, standing on the beach and just hollering, everybody paying attention, looking around. They're just making a fool of himself, basically. But you know what he said? I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I don't care who knows it. I know what I'm doing. I know that it's wrong. Here I am. Everybody take a look. He was not ashamed whatsoever. Now, I'm talking about him, but all of us have probably had moments like that where we just finally quit caring, didn't we? We quit caring what anybody or everybody or even God thought, and we just did what we wanted to do. And my friends, the Bible says that is what we're going to do. In our own strength, we can get to the point of not even caring anymore without our lives being under God's control when it's under our own direction. We're capable of using our bodies for inappropriate behaviors. We're capable of having relationships with people that we should not. We're capable of saying inappropriate things, of having tainted thoughts and motives and manipulating others for our own benefit, of having a loss of a sense of decency and respect for others. The Bible says, that's what I can do in my own strength. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? That's where I can go. That's what I can look forward to if I decide, hey, God, I think I'm going to be in charge here. Excessive behavior is very much a part of my life. Number two, my way brings misplaced focus. Misplaced focus. Now, you know, I believe all of us realize, as I said earlier, to some degree that we are here for a purpose. That our lives, even though we may struggle sometimes, are not by chance. Even though our world may tell us that that's the answer, that we were here created by by chance, that we happen by chance. I believe that most of us have more sense than that, don't we? We didn't come from a little monkey somewhere, some little pile of swamp mud somewhere. I was created by somebody for something. Amen? We have that sense. The problem is that we get off track, don't we? Anybody here ever gotten off track in your life? Anybody here ever chased a rabbit down the wrong trail? Don't we get our attention set on the wrong things many times? Now, at first glance, this may not sound so terrible, It may not sound so harmful. So, Robbie, I don't quite get my bearings right in life. What's the big deal? How many of us head on vacation with that kind of attitude? (laughs) So what if we're not quite sure where we're going? I mean, I know we've only got a week, and we can't afford to waste three days getting lost or figuring out where we're going. But, hey, we're on vacation. Well, maybe some of you do it like that, but that's not the way I'd want to do it. If I only had a week, I'd want to know where I'm going and have plenty of time to spend it and enjoy it. Why would we not approach our lives like that? 
Why would we set sail in life and just say, hey, wherever the wind blows, <laughs> that's where we'll go. Look at some of the words used here to describe the struggle we have. In verse 20, it says idolatry. You know, it's too bad that when we think of idols, we usually think of some little statue or carving or something like that. Now, while that's certainly true, and there are many cultures in our world where that's a struggle for many people because of false religions that people are exposed to. And, and, And to be honest with you, it might be more prevalent in our society than we give it credit for. But for most of us, we need to think more about the the, uh, the the principle behind it rather than that specific application. The principle behind idolatry is it means to put anything else above God in our lives. Now, when you put it that way, ouch, right? <laughs> my tendency, my tendency, and the Bible says your tendency, is to put lots of other things above God. Now, I'm just going to be real transparent with you. How many times have I thought about idolatry when I was going to bed super early, when I shuffled the kids in bed and and I made sure that I got in bed at at 9 o'clock that night because I was getting up to go hunting in the morning. But maybe if I was just getting up for a regular day the next day, I might have slept in and not read my Bible. Oh, that's idolatry. I put something I enjoy above seeking God. How many times have I got more excited about a college football game than about going to church. I mean, on Saturdays, tell the kids, now wait just a minute. At 3 o'clock, everything else on the TV has to stop. Um, Daddy's going to round up my popcorn. I'm getting everything straight and prepared, you know, and for like two or three hours, and Shannon would say, yeah, right, like five, for, for, for a few minutes, I'm focused, right? How many times has God spoken to my heart about Do you prepare that much for church? Do you think that much? Do you anticipate that much coming and meeting with me? How many times have I thought more? Have I been so wrapped up in something that I wanted to purchase that I completely forgot about the person who was selling it to me? And I walked out that door excited about this thing that I'd saved for, I thought would be great for this or that or that I needed or that I wanted or whatever, and I walked out the door and realized you know what, the door opened with that person to to share with them or to talk to them or to encourage them or pray with them. And I was so focused on this little thing that's going to rust one day that I didn't even notice it. That's idolatry. That's my tendency. Now, y'all don't leave me hanging up here. It's yours too, right? I'm normal. Doesn't make it right, but I'm normal. If none of the others gets us, this one will want it. I am so easily thrown off focus. On my own, unless I allow, truly, unless I allow God to work in my heart, I will, I guarantee you, I will misplace the focus of my life. Instead of putting it on Christ, which is what God's Word says we ought to do, Hebrews 12, 2 says we should be fixing our eyes on Jesus. Instead of doing that, I put my attention and my heart and my desires on so many other things. Some other words that relates to that that he uses here are jealousy and envy. Now, those words look very similar in English, but jealousy is actually the word for zeal. And it might be better translated to fiercely pursue something. Now, understand, it's not always bad, and this word that's used for jealousy or zeal is not always, does not always have a bad connotation. Are there things in life that we ought to fiercely pursue? Absolutely. Who? God, right? 
So there's a zeal for God. There's a zeal for the things of God that is not a bad thing. But the idea that I get here is, is a zeal for things that take my focus off of God. That is a bad thing. In this context, we could translate the word pursuits. Okay? Now, let's uh, kind of get a little closer to home here. How many pursuits have you been on in your life? Think about it. We're going back and we're playing the tape in our mind, aren't we? (laughs) How many things have we followed hard after in our life? How many wrong roads have I focused years of my life on? That's where this gets us. Our own way takes us down fruitless pursuits, down dead end paths. Do we have any testimonies? Anybody ever gone down a dead end in your life for years even? Listen, the Bible's just telling you, hopefully it's encouraging to you, you're just normal, you're just natural, but it's also challenging, but don't stay there. God's got better for you. The word translated here, envy, on the other hand, is always seen in a negative way because it means that this person can't bear to see that someone else has something they want. So it leans more towards what we usually think of jealousy, isn't it? I see somebody that has something I want, and I actually, it kind of has a malicious tone of spite or kind of a grudge to it. I see that they have it, and that really eats me up, right? I mean, I ought to have one of those. I deserve to have one of those, or I wish I had one of those. That's this word envy. Isn't that naturally what I'll do on my own? If God doesn't speak to me about making him the priority of my life, I will look at what you have, and I'll say, boy, I wish I had that. Whether it's better than what I have or not, I think it is, right? That's my natural tendency. That's the way we're going to go as people. God's telling us this because he wants to challenge us and remind us, hey guys, I love you. And I've got something for you here in a few verses that's going to show you what I can do for you. We're going to talk about that over the next time or two. But right now he's challenging us. Do you realize this is your tendency? This is your proneness. If you want to use it in computer language, this is your default, right? I love it when my kids get a hold of the remote because it goes back to the original settings that we bought it from at the store. And I don't like those settings. This is the original settings for us. It just goes back to the default. The default is these kind of things that he's listed. How many of us, because we've been working in our own efforts, have taken our focus off of God? How many of us, we talked about it in the past, but how many of you right now, if you were honest, God is speaking to you. He's perking you up. He's catching your attention because right now you are in hot pursuit of things that God says he does not want you to be pursuing. How many of us have looked and right now, maybe even we're working as hard as we can. We're working overtime. We're trying to do as much as we can to save up and to scrimp because we see something that somebody else has and we want to have what they have or better. And maybe we don't even like that other person. Not because we don't like them, but because they have something that we wish we had. I think of Isaiah 53 verse 6 where it tells us we are all like little sheep. We're so easily turned off the right path to go in wrong directions and to get the wrong focus. But number three, my way brings excessive behavior. It brings misplaced focus. But number three, my way brings broken relationships now i want you to notice how many words related to this aspect of what my way brings are devoted to this in this verse it says enmities in verse 20 all the words there in verse 20 enmities strife outbursts of anger 
disputes, dissensions, and factions. Now let's talk about each of those words. They're very similar words and, and they relate to one another, but there's differences. There's uniqueness about each one. Enmities means hatred or I like better hostility. My way brings hostility in relationships. Does that ring a bell with you? My way brings strife. Strife means quarreling. It means bickering. It means arguing. It's the antithesis of peace. It's unrest. It's just kind of turmoil. That's strife. My way brings outbursts of anger. Now, some translations translate this fits of rage. We, we like to say people who fly off the handle, right? Or maybe we like to excuse ourselves for having an Irish temper. Maybe that's just a, a seemingly a, a nice way of saying, I have outbursts of anger. <laughs> now, to be fair, this word outbursts of anger is similar to that word zeal that we talked about. It can actually be used in a good sense. It means, now, to give you credit for your Irish uh, you know, <laughs> temperament, it can mean to be passionate or to be intense. It's okay to be passionate, isn't it? It's okay to be intense. The problem is I usually am passionate and intense about the wrong things. I'm usually passionate and intense about things that are focused on me, not the things of God, and that's the struggle there. It talks about disputes. Now, if you'll remember when we just recently studied Philippians chapter 2, we talked about this word. Disputes describes a person who's running for political office who tries to make their opponents look worse so that they themselves look better. That's the way I am without God. I try to make me look better than you. I do it all the time. I say, Lord, you know, I know I got stuff I need to deal with, but look at him. Look at her. Look at all their issues. Usually it's the same one I have. <laughs> I'm just pointing out yours so I don't have to think about my own. I'm running for office. I'm saying, Lord, I'm running for best candidate for uh, don't I look great, God. And, and, and I'm beating them. That's what that word means. Disputes, dissensions is also translated divisions. It has the idea of divisiveness that's caused in a church family because people are introducing other teachings that are contrary to the teaching of that church. That's not of God. When someone comes in a church family and tries to break up a church family by teaching things that aren't what that church family believes, that's not of God. That person needs to find another church that believes what they believe, but they don't need to break up the fellowship of the one that they're in. Factions is a similar word to dissensions, but it relates to little groups that form. Little groups that form even in a church family, especially the idea of competing groups. You ever been a part of a church where there's this group and there's that group and there's this group and they're kind of competing with each other? That's not of God. That's wrong. Young people call those cliques, don't we? Whatever you want to call it, that's not of the Lord. It makes my ears and head hurt just reading those words. Doesn't it, yours? Imagine all the problems and relationships that they represent. It almost You can almost growl and just picture what all those words, it's just that upheaval. Doesn't it make your stomach hurt? Just to think about enmity, hostility, strife, bickering. That's always been a little, little pet peeve of mine. We've just said in our family, we're not going to have bickering. We're not going to have, we're not going to do that. I'm glad to know it's not of God because I didn't like it anyway. Outbursts of anger. How many of us 
are hollering at each other or yelling at each other or getting angry or hateful towards other people. We don't know, do we? We don't know how to have great relationships. We don't know how to solve conflict. We don't know how to make decisions. We don't know how to think of others before ourselves. We don't know how to not get angry when we don't get our own way. We don't know how to not form opposing parties and groups. I mean, if somebody disagrees with me, then I'm going to try to gather a bunch that do, right? Then we're going to start shooting at each other because my way is right. I don't know how to have a relationship without doing that. That's what I get when I do my way. And then finally, my way brings dangerous influences. Now, let's look at two words here. Dangerous influences. In fact, I want to be clear about what these verses are telling us. I might even call these dark influences, especially because of one of the words that's used here. My friends, listen. When we live life in our own strength and efforts, we are prone... Are you listening to me? This is, this is uh, hopefully God's under-shepherd saying to the sheep and as one of your fellow sheep, Watch out, there are wolves, and they are stronger than you. Now, I thank God they're not stronger than him. But there are wolves that get a hold of our lives, strongholds that are established in our lives that grab hold of us, that grasp us, and are very difficult to escape. They become major influencers in our lives. I thank the Lord that God himself i didn't have anything to do with it god has protected me from many of those dark things even listen young person when i was a young person and i was not seeking god i got awfully close to some very dangerous influences and i thank god that he protected me before i got too far into that but many young people today are curious about those things. And more and more, as our society moves away from Christ, if we do not reach out to the young people and do not continue to establish a strong Christian heritage in their lives, many of our young people are going to get involved in the kind of things I'm going to talk about here. These verses talk about sorcery. And you say, oh, that sounds like a Harry Potter or some kind of you know, medieval kind of thing. Well, originally this word, referred to medicine. It's actually the Greek word pharmakia, which you could probably recognize as our word for what? Pharmacy. It became associated not only with medicine, but with drugs and the abuse, the illegal use of drugs. And the abuse of drugs became related to witchcraft. Now, according to Acts chapter 19, this was very prevalent in New Testament times. In Acts 19, verse 19, apparently witchcraft and this kind of black magic had become so lucrative that there were some people who came to Christ and when they burned their books because they said it was garbage, that it was just junk, it was demonic kind of things, you know, there were $4 million worth of books. Wow. This stuff must have been pretty lucrative. It must have been pretty prevalent. He also warns them about drunkenness. Now, we could have included drunkenness in excessive behavior. But remember here, we're talking about what? We're talking about dangerous influences. Now, our world has enough sense to realize that alcohol does what? It influences, doesn't it? What do we call it? DUI or DWI. Driving under or driving while what? Influenced are intoxicated, influenced by alcohol. The Bible definitely affirms that as well. There is no doubt that drugs are prevalent in our society. And listen, I want you to hear me. 
not only drugs, but the darkness or the demonic stronghold attached to them. Now, I realize the physiological, at least some of the physiological effect of drugs, that it's a, that it's a chemical kind of thing, that it happens you know, on a physical kind of level. I realize the volitional choice that people make to partake of them. But I want you to understand this morning, there's a darkness factor that is related to, to drugs. Now, I know that in America, we're too sophisticated to believe in the devil and demons and stuff like that. But my friends, the Bible says there are, four, whatever you want to call them, devil, demons, forces of evil at work in this world. And listen to me, you don't have to believe it, but the Bible says that on our own, we are vulnerable to being affected by those forces, even not just affected, even controlled by them. That's the point of drugs and alcohol, isn't it? That they bring influence and ultimately they even control us and they put us in a position to be affected by darkness. I hope you know that teenagers today are being decimated by drugs and alcohol. Did you also know that many teenagers are getting involved in witchcraft today? Did you know that a few Tuesday nights ago, one of our teams met a witch? A girl that was involved in witchcraft. Did you know that a few years ago, I went to Taco Bell in Saratoga Springs and I was waited on by a witch? She told me. We talked about it. So I didn't know that. Hello, wake up. There is darkness that is an influence in our society. Though related to drugs, there are many other dangerous influences that can enter our lives. What about horoscopes? Can I ask you a question? Why do you read those? Who do you think that information is coming from? Do you think it's coming from God? Now listen, I don't think for a minute that most people that read those are are looking for information from the devil, okay? I don't believe that. It may just be innocent, fun, and games. But I want you to understand that it's based on darkness's old schemes and tactics. We're looking to the stars. Now think about it for just a second. We're looking to creation for messages that we ought to be looking to the Creator for. Amen? What about palm readers and psychics? They cannot predict the future. They might be able to make some good guesses. The devil's been around for a long time. He can see some patterns. He's a lot smarter than we are sometimes. They can make some good guesses. But listen, where does that information come from? Again, it is coming from darkness. And darkness is guess at the future. By the way, for all of you that wonder if psychics are real, how many of you watched the show Deal or No Deal? Did you see the psychic the other day? Did you see her struggle? Listen, if I was a psychic, I'd be cleaning out all these places. I'd be on Deal or No Deal, million dollars, baby. I'd be down at the racetrack. Boy, I'm just going to vote on the one every time that comes through. I'd be at the casinos. I mean, I wouldn't need a 1-800 number. I would know everything. I could predict the stock market. Why are we so foolish? Because you know what happens? We get blinded by darkness sometimes. How many lives have been destroyed through drugs and alcohol? How many people today are being introduced to dangerous influences in their lives by those influences or by other means. My friends today, I want to share with you, my way and your way of doing things makes me vulnerable. I don't have the strength to pick out things that seem like common sense. Have you ever wondered why common sense is not more common? You know what I found? 
It only comes because God gives us that sense. God gives us the ability to pick out, oh, yeah, for sure, that's wrong. It just makes sense. That's wrong. You ever find things after you become a Christian, you say, why didn't I see that before? It seems so what? Simple. <laughs> it seems so easy. That's just not right. It's just wrong. But I didn't see it before. Why? Because I didn't have God living in my heart to show me the reality and the danger of it. Somebody says, you're scaring me, Robbie. Good. You ought to be scared. We ought to be scared. Listen, we ought to be scared to live our lives without God. Truly, we ought to be scared to live our lives without God. Now, I don't want somebody to come to Christ just based purely on fear. I don't know. Maybe it's not a bad idea. <laughs> maybe you come to Christ on fear and then you figure out how good it is after that. I know when, when I came to Christ, I was afraid of going to hell. That bothered me. It should have. God, I don't want to go there. I don't want to pay for my own sins. Yeah, it needs to develop beyond that. But I tell you today, we ought to be concerned about trying to live life on our own. There's just no way we can do it. In another sense, can I give you some encouragement? The Bible says that God has put Satan under Christ's feet. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's don't, we're not playing patty cake here. We've got an enemy who is serious, right? Who is formidable, who is stronger than we are. But he is not even close to a little bitty pinky fingernail for Jesus. Not even close. Isn't that strong today? God, I can go from fearful. How many people today are struggling with psychological and emotional and, and all kinds of problems? There's a lot of things involved with that. But how many today are struggling with those things because they don't have confidence that they can live their lives in strength and assurance? My friend today, maybe that's what you're looking for. You can go from being scared to death of your own shadow because you don't even know which way to turn or which way to go. You can go from that to being a leader, to being a person that other people can, can respond to and can follow your example and that you can be confident in life, that you can know you're here for what you were created to do. That's a total turnaround. But it comes through Christ. It doesn't come on my own. How many of us today are getting involved with things that we shouldn't, that are going to hurt our lives because we're going our own way? How many of us today are in relationships that we shouldn't be involved in? How many of us have stepped over boundaries that we shouldn't have stepped over? We're looking at things. We're listening to things that we shouldn't be involved in because we're going our own way. How many of us have lost our focus? Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's just something in and of itself that would be very innocent, that would be perfectly fine, but it's become the driving force of your life. Maybe you've become so focused. You know what? When I was growing up, maybe you'd say, we didn't have anything. And I've just decided that my kids are going to have everything they want. You've begun to decide that what somebody else has is going to be the driving force of your life. How many of us today are hollering at one another, are full of rage and bitterness and anger and argumentative spirits, our relationships are in a mess. You know why? Because we're trying to do it ourselves. I'm going to tell you the truth. I cannot be a husband. I cannot be a father without the power of God's Spirit living in me. I cannot do it. I'm not kidding you. I would not know how to do it. How many of us are being influenced by dangerous influence? We've dabbled in darkness. 
Maybe somebody's dabbled in witchcraft. Maybe you're allowing alcohol or drugs to creep into your life. And God is just saying to you, careful, caution. I love you so much. I don't want to see those things destroy your life. May I just share with you at the end of verse 21, this is not a a list of, hey, here's some optional things that I may or may, may not want about my life. Verse 21 says, Paul said, I I warned you, and and I've I've warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I should not be comfortable with allowing the kind of things that we've described today, things like that, to be in my life. And if I can be comfortable with them, and I can practice them on a regular basis without calling upon God to come into my life, to wash my sins away, to cleanse me, to give me the power to have victory over those things, the Bible says I will not see the kingdom of God. Today, friend, have you ever called upon God for His strength? Have you ever said to Him, Jesus, I need you. I need you desperately. And right now, today, I invite you to come into my life to wash my sins away and to give me the power to overcome these things in my life. Have you ever done that, friend? Today is the best day to do that. Maybe you're here today and you know Christ is your Savior. But some of these things are creeping back in. Don't you love God? Because He comes along the path of life and He says, Warning! (laughs) Road out ahead. There's something that's going to hurt you down there. Maybe right now, that attitude that you have. Maybe right now, those things that you're just beginning to dabble in a little bit, that you're just beginning to entertain those thoughts or those ideas or those actions, behaviors, maybe they seem harmless. And God is saying to you, now you need to be very clear. The end of that road is going to be hurt for you and others. Don't you love Him for that? Don't you love our God? I thank Him that whether it's coming to church, whether it's in a Bible study, or whether it's riding down the road listening to the Christian radio, that all throughout my life, day, day to day, week to week, that God shows me signs that says, Robbie, that's where you're going, and you need to make a U-turn. Today, are you a Christian? And then you say, God, you know my heart, I love you. And you're my Savior, and I have no doubt about that. But this is beginning to become strong in my life, and I see it today for what it is. And I want to repent of that, God. I don't like that. I don't want that. I lay that down before you today. Would you cleanse me? Would you wash me? How's your way going? I heard somebody say that on TV the other day. They were talking. Somebody was talking about something they were doing in their life, and somebody said, well, "How's that working for you?" I don't mean to say that lightly, but I do want to say it. How's your way going for you? Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to show you what God can do. But has God spoken to you today through His Word in Galatians 5?